It's not another Bills podcast with John Corzilius. You know, there's no way in hell that I can leave that in, right? <laughs> you don't think so? Sam Pat Caprio. I mean, come on, Brandon needed a computer for this podcast, and he said, you know what, Dad, can I have a computer? Cam needed a computer, and he steals 10 of them. <laughs> Steals 10 of them. <laughs> the one I got from 2011, it was probably one that Cam stole originally. That's why it doesn't work now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. What's up, guys? Happy Victory Monday. Hey, oh. That, that was a pretty good game. I mean, oh, yeah. For, for, those of, for those of us that were on our dry couch, it was pretty fun. Oh, my but, God. I was so soaking wet. Yeah. Literally to the bone. <laughs> Yeah, you're not allowed to bring umbrellas into into the stadium, right? No. So we wore garbage bags, basically. Wait, you can't bring umbrellas into Highmark Stadium? Correct. Is it like a safety concern, like or? Yeah, people like stab each other with them and stuff. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it is funny. I think they do allow them. My uh, the teacher that I work with, she has the umbrella hats. So it's like you you put it on your head and it pops open like a hat. So she said she bought them for Bill's games, but we wear them when we do bus duty, but you know. Yeah, I bet you could get Rodney Harrison's umbrella guy to sneak an umbrella into the Can you the believe that, Clown? <laughs> he can't Wait, hold his own umbrella. Everybody else on the screen is holding an umbrella. Was it? You got Drew Brees, Randy Moss. I don't even know who else was there, but then you see the little guy standing off stage. Uh, Did you see I didn't it? see Randy Moss there. Was was Randy? That, who else was there? I thought Randy I Moss know. was there. I only I know that because I... I heard the morning show on WGR talk about this. That's the only reason why. But I oh, thought it was yeah, hilarious. No, I was actually watching the pregame, and yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, Rod- Rodney had one hand in his pocket and uh, the other one on a microphone, and had. Some oh, I thought you were gonna say the other one <laughs> waving a peace sign. <laughs> oh my gosh! When that song came out, Tom Brady was a rookie, probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Just about. You know what's crazy about um I'll be alright, you ought to know. hmm You know who the two studio musicians on that are? I about my pants when I heard it. Flea and Dave Navarro, who is also in the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jane's Addiction. Like Wow. Which is crazy. But alright. Yeah. Alright, so let's hop right into our uh game rewind here. Obviously quite a bit of an offensive show. I think we all had a lot of fun watching that. Um, despite the early whiffs, the early uh, interception. What did you get? Did you guys have any uh, any fears as soon as he threw that? Did you uh, did you freak out a little bit, or were you like, "Nah, we're fine"? Well, I feel like um, you know, the, the I get a lot of guys. You know, even Lamar Jackson in that Monday night game, it was like first or second pass through a pick six when they're playing the Chiefs. But it, that second pass is what got me, man. Because that second pass also like sailed over Stefan Diggs. But hey, man, you know what? When everyone doubts him, I think that just makes him play better. You know, my fear was we weren't in the <clears throat> we weren't in our seats yet. We were walking up the ramp to the 300 levels when I heard the guys say that they were punting the ball and we stopped them. We got a three and out, and then Josh has the ball now, and you hear the crowd ah, and then it goes oh, and it's like uh oh, like who, who threw the pick? Who fumbled? Who's hurt? Those are the first three things that went through my head. And I was just like, all right, I, I, if Josh throws a pick, whatever. I mean, spot him a touchdown. I don't care. We're going to kill you anyway. What'd you so. think about Cully going on fourth down there in that first drive? That was, that was something else. I, I would have just put points up on the board, but I mean, that's why I'm not. Well, I mean, they're probably, they're probably thinking like, you know, most, most teams feel when they play the Chiefs, it's like, you're not going to beat the Chiefs kicking field goals, right? And I'm sure the Texans True. felt the same way. They're like... You know, if we put up three here, it's not like we're going to outscore the Bills. And, you know, maybe you should have because it, it, you know, it still could have been, you know, like a 12-10 game or some goofy thing like that. But, yeah, it's kind of cool to see teams feeling that way against the Bills because it's always historically been like, you know, we've always been, been complaining yeah. about <laughs> kicking field goals. Yeah. I didn't even think about it till you said it. I think it's funny because McDermott didn't coach like that against the Chiefs. But a McDermott disciple coached like that against his own old former boss. You know what I mean? And uh, he knew what the Bills had coming into that game. And how do you prepare a team that is a 17-point underdog? What do you say? You say you have to go for it. You got to hype your 
you know, the, the bulletin board material that Pallone would put on our locker before we would lose 70 to zero. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. What are we supposed to do? Just go into this game thinking we're going to lose? No, he, he's a motivator of grown men who are making a lot of money. And you have to have your foot on the gas and your players have to buy in. And I think, at least for me, I like that call for him. David Call, he probably earned a little bit more yeah, respect. Well, for just, that. To, just to push back a little bit. Um, I did a little bit of research as you were saying that. And actually, um, when Sean McDermott was in middle school, um, David Culley was coaching Middle Tennessee State University. Um, so, I mean, they definitely coach together, but like, I mean, I think he's a disciple of, well, man. I mean, probably, probably not a disciple of anyone good, but. <laughs> McDermott hired David Culley when he was a head coach in Buffalo his first year as a as the quarterbacks coach, right? Yeah. Yeah, two, he so was there. So he was, did hire David. Colley. He was there for Josh's first year and Tyrod's uh, last year. Yeah, and then he got the promotion to the Ravens, and then he got the head coach promotion to the Texans. Stay tuned. The Buffalo Bills' current quarterbacks coach is going to be a part of our heroes of the drought. So stay tuned. Interesting. Interesting. Did you guys see that uh, Davis Mills had the worst QBR of any quarterback in the last three years? Oh man, it was like a it was like a one point three or something like that. Uh, it was it was just abominable. Well, I just felt bad for the kid. Like there's like a minute left, and you're down by forty points, and then like oh that that la- that fourth pick, man, was just like so so demoralizing. I've only ever been on that on the other side of it. Like the only time I can remember is like, geez, it would have been like Philip Rivers' second year, first year with the Chargers, and we lost like fifty six to three. But you know what? You know what this game felt like to me. This felt like opening day, um, the year that Nathan Peterman started against the Ravens. Yes, yes, literally in Baltimore. What was that? That game was like forty something to nothing. Rainy. It rained the entire time too. Yeah, I'd imagine that you know Texans fans felt pretty much the same as we did against the Ravens that day. I remember that day, dude. We were doing a bar crawl in Buffalo. And before we even got to the first bar, we're walking through the rain and we walk in and it's 17, nothing. And we look at each other. We're like, what, (laughs) what, what we're wet and they're losing this bad already. Are you kidding me? And you know, I was so high on Nathan Peterman. That's like the worst sports call. Oh yeah. No, same. Hey, I was, that's just us being relentlessly optimistic. We like, "Mm," you know, like we already knew what Tyler, it's, it's so we totally romanticize what we have on the bench. At least bad teams do this. And when, when we were, you know, middle of the pack team, we kind of romanticized who we had coming up through the ranks all the time. You know, we had Tyrod and now in hindsight, we can appreciate what Tyrod was, but at the time we, we found, we thought that we had found Tyrod ceiling. So we're like, yes. Oh, you know, we got Nathan Peterman on the bench and you know, we're all sitting here with this. Oh, Tom Brady was a seventh round pick logic. And you know, anyone could, anyone, you know, and Nathan Peterman couldn't muscle. It's hard because he's a, he's a practice hero and everything. And he looks so good in practices, but the only analogy I can think of is like, you know, um, well, RIP to my old dentist, Dr. Charles Whitmer. Um, at one point was the all-time leading rusher at Springville High School. Um, he used to say that on a bad team, the most popular player is the backup quarterback. Yeah, that's a good saying. Not to be confused with Charles Whitmore from Lost. That's who I thought you were going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Literally like one one letter difference. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. I think another cool storyline from this game was the backups in particular on defense had a pretty good day. I thought, you know, Cam Lewis coming off the practice squad had an awesome game. And how cool is it that we have a practice squad where we can call somebody up and, and get starter level play? You know, and again, yeah. I know it's the Texans. You know, you, you got to take some of that into account with all of this. But uh, that was awesome. Jaquan Johnson didn't miss a beat. AJ Klein looked good. You know, and hopefully Matt Milano is back for next week because I feel like if if we have to see AJ Klein try to cover Travis Kelce, it might be a different story. But yeah, and even on the offensive side, Spencer Brown looked pretty good. So he really did. He stepped up in a big yeah. way. The thing that I like about Cam Lewis too is he's a local guy. He went to UB. That's underrated. And then did you see? Did you guys see Trey White after Jaquan Johnson got that pick? Class act, man. Do you guys want to talk a little bit about the the offensive line going forward? Because so basically, what happened on Sunday was Daryl Williams shifted inside to right guard, Spencer Brown was right tackle, and since John Feliciano was out, but Cody Ford got benched. So, 
how we how we feeling about that you know is how are you guys concerned at all or do you think that we just have enough good offensive linemen on this team that that seemed like the best lineup for this week considering John Feliciano's injury well wasn't Deion Dawkins out there for a second too he went down and so I don't know I mean it definitely I think we had talked about this sitting on your couch last year around Christmas time that like one of the things that made this well it was last year and the year before that but just Bucker Feliciano any of these guys being able to move inside outside you know but yeah man no I couldn't be happier Spencer Brown played really well I'd like to see John Feliciano come back but you know even that whole Tordall thing where he was on Pat McAfee talking about how he wanted to take horse anesthetic and that the NFL wasn't allowing him to. Maybe that was a red flag and we should have uh, noticed. But. <laughs> but yeah, I think it'll be really, uh, really interesting looking at that offensive line going forward because they had a good day. But, it, it, you know, will they carry that into Kansas City? Because I don't know what it is. Kansas City last year did not have that great of a defense, and their defensive line was decent, but they always seem to have their best days against the Bills for whatever reason. So uh, I'll be looking to see if, you know, whatever lineup they roll out, and I guess Sean McDermott today came out and said that they're going to be rolling with this lineup going forward. So uh, I'm interested to see if they can hold up against Kansas City's defensive line because if they can't, I think it's going to be a long day. But if if they can, then I think we've got a fighting chance of of really winning the game. So I don't know what you, what you guys think about that. With Kansas City, their defense, you were talking about that. Two years ago, when they lost in the AFC Championship game, their defense was awful, right? And they hired Spags, Steve Spagnuolo, to coach the defense, right? That's their defense coordinator. It worked for a year. I mean. It worked. They got back up to, I think they went from like 29th overall in, what would it have been, 2019, right? To 2020, or maybe whatever year they no, won the Super Bowl. No, because Spagnuolo won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, whatever year they won the Super Bowl. Year. It went back up to like 16th overall, so they had like a middling of the pack defense, but that's all you really needed with Mahomes. But now, I saw it today, they're 32nd against the run, and they're 29th against the pass. Which, if you look at their schedule, they played the Ravens and the Browns, right? So they're two run-heavy offenses that probably put up yards against an, an, an inferior opponent. But those are also like two of the probably number one and two running teams in the league. But still, if we can run the ball against them in the original game plan that we had last year and like control the game a little bit, but also capitalize, Josh has to be able to take that passing defense away too. If they can have the, like we talked about running more efficiently and all offseason long, and it's to beat the Chiefs. This team is built to beat the Chiefs, and the, their defense might be down enough, and our offense might be up and up enough to kind of change the balance. What, what do you think about that? Not only the run game, but I think that after, you know, still reflecting on this Texans game a little bit, I think the red zone conversion rate is going to be a huge part about, you yeah. know, beating Kansas City. Because it's the same thing we're talking about with the Texans going for it on fourth and three there. I think the Bills should do the same thing if they're facing Kansas City, you know, even if it is terrible weather, you know, all, all that stuff. I, again, there was a lot of different things that went wrong in the championship game and the regular season matchup last year. But kicking field goals when you're in the red zone is is one of the biggest. You know, getting three points when you should have seven. You know, what were they up 10-0 in that that game? They could have been up 14-0 in the in the championship. And not saying like the Chiefs can come back from a lot, but uh, like you said, Brandon, I think running the ball, controlling the clock, and I, I don't know. I I think that we've gotten away from some of that stuff. You thinking about the narrative of this team since Josh usually can just throw it all over the yard that's our offense we don't really need to run because we were successful not doing it last year a time of possession doesn't matter as much as number of possessions but still like the more you can keep you know patrick mahomes off the field the better off you're going to be because even though the chiefs as a whole have not looked to be as powerful as they were last year I peeked at Patrick Mahomes' stats, and he's still got 131 quarterback rating for three out of the four games. He had one down game, and he's still throwing for 300 yards in every single game and 250 in the other one. You know, you're not going to be – I'm not saying you can't stop Patrick Mahomes, but you can only hope to slow him down. But you absolutely need to score points. So, you know, I, I think that red zone conversions are going to be a huge part of that, and I think that comes down to not just the execution, but Brian Dayball has to call a really good game in the red zone. And sometimes he, 
he can get a little bit too cute in the red zone sometimes. And when it works out, it looks great. And sometimes it doesn't, but uh, I don't know. So I think that that'll be a huge part of this game. Um, and I, I think it'll be one of the biggest deciding factors. Like you said about him getting a little cute in the red zone. I was watching some of the replays uh, of the Chiefs defense, even against the Giants last week. Oh, and they the were Eagles, I think. Oh, Eagles. Yeah, they didn't play the Giants uh, against the Eagles. And they were not that disciplined with the RPO stuff and the the timing on their for their linebackers just because Jalen Hurts can move a little bit and it, they showed the defensive ends crashing in at the quarterback like a number of occasions that gave the running back a lot of space and, and then there was a lot of times where they chased the running back and the and Hurts had opportunities uh but like you said that's going to be up to Brian Dable to to tune it up when it's needed um and the other thing that you said too is number of possessions because when you look at the losses that the chiefs have had they kind of shot themselves in the foot both of their losses are kind of their fault mahomes threw two bad interceptions in each of those games uh and then there was the costly fumble at the end of the sunday night football game against the ravens Um, but these these picks that the other teams are getting on mahomes they're capitalizing on them because they don't get them too often but he's still a gunslinger at heart so if you can get him moving out of the pocket. You saw the one interception. He had no feet beneath him. He was like throwing it on the run. And, and he knows that he can make that play six out of 10 times, but you need to make those four out of 10 count that he messes up. And I like to think of punts equal to turnovers, right? They're, they both change the possession of the game. So you need to force turnovers and you need to, to get the ball back more because you're not going to let this team is what well, Mahomes never has scored under 30 points. You have to hit 30. 35 is the number you're going to need to win, I think. I don't think this game's in the 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I expect it to actually, I, I feel like it's going to be a low scoring first half because for whatever reason, you know, you know, not that the defense has triumphed in these games, but it seems like the offenses on both sides have kind of struggled to get the rhythm. It's not like Kansas City is walking down the field immediately. You know, the defense at least slows them down for the first few possessions, and then they kind of hit their groove second, third quarter. So I, I would expect a low-scoring first half and, and a pretty high-scoring second half. And, you know, I don't we haven't looked at any uh, any over-unders or, or spreads for this game yet, but I'd, I'd assume that it's going to be pretty high. Do you want to know what they are? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you have them pulled up? Yeah, it was. The Bills were three and a half point underdogs this morning. When uh, the betting well, that's opened. like the home team, I guess. Kind yeah, of. But it's the extra half courtesy. point. But that's the smallest point spread that the Chiefs have had in Arrowhead in a very long time. I saw that on on Twitter today. But the line has moved one point in the Bills' direction, so now they're only two and a half point underdogs because there are so many bets coming in on the Bills with the three and a half points. Um, so it so it's it's moving a little bit and that's what happened last time too they the people bet the bills and it lowers the line to get get the adjustments but you know we can talk about this again on our thursday show featuring brandon's bets but i just i have no idea what to expect from this game we've been waiting for this shootout for two years now but the with the way that the defense played our our defense played last weekend our backups played last weekend. I mean, I, I don't know. It, like you said, it could be a low-scoring game. It could be 40-40. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think th- I'm supposed there was to a, know that, but I don't know. It. There was an interesting point uh, brought up on GR. I don't remember who it was, but, you know, because we all have been saying, like, okay, Kansas City, this is the litmus test for this team. You know, how good is this defense? Yeah, somebody was arguing that you can't really judge the defense by this game at all because Patrick Mahomes scores on everybody. And... I would say that you can judge the defense if they have a good game. You know, you might not be able to say they're bad if they give up 30 to Patrick Mahomes, but if they keep them under 25, I think you can definitely say that they're a top five defense in the NFL this year. Sorry. It just makes me think of last year. I mean, that game was a lot. It was very close. I mean, you're talking, you know, 26, 17, like I'd take my odds outscoring, you know what I mean? A lot of it was Clyde Edwards, Elair just forcing them to run the rock, but like, I mean, 27 or 26, 17, like, man, I, I think we could give us, give us that number to score more than next week. And I think, you know, but like you said, it's, it's all game planning. And I, I think Spagnola too, man, 
you know, people forget, dude. He pulled off the biggest Super Bowl upset of all time. Calling plays for JPP with 10 fingers and Justin Tuck and the, the whole squad. So, like, Jason, you know. Jason Pierre Paul still had yeah. his hand. Oh, you said 10 fingers. You said 10 yeah. fingers. Okay. <laughs> God, that's so funny. <laughs> well, he assumed that you were going to say seven or something. I like thought that. you were going to say seven too. Yeah, that's funny. Let me, let me make sure that he might have been on the no, 2011 team. It was later. He was on the 2011 team, but he didn't blow his hand up until after both Super Bowls. I'm almost yeah. positive. Yeah. I would say so, yeah. Which is it crazy is. that... His uh, ring ceiling decreased quite was, a bit after those two. <laughs> he, he was happy with his two rings. It wasn't yeah. JPP. It was someone that um, that was the other defensive end. Justin was not Tuck. JPP. It was not Justin, Justin Tuck. Tuck. Michael Strahan was the 07, but... Michael Strahan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, television personality, so... It might I mean, poor, Michael's, poor Michael's not even... He got ousted by subway for for tom brady and steph curry he's not even selling yeah. subway subs anymore that's what happens when you're out of the league for 12 years so i guess to your point the last time steve spagnola won a super bowl yes michael strahan was on the team so um. <laughs> uh did you think the defense that they played the last two times that they've played the bills it's like this high cover three zone daring them to run do you think Josh has seen it enough to get better at attacking it and taking the underneath? Or do you think, because all season long, he said he's trying to take what they give him and let his players make plays. And I think letting that mentality shine on Sunday night is what's going to be the difference in that. Like that version of Josh didn't exist, right? Like each day he's a different version of himself. Yeah, I think I think that version of Josh did exist during certain games last year. I'm trying to bring to mind a specific one, but there was one where they just uh, after after I think four it's games the Jets the, game. It's the Jets it, game Brando I, talked about. I think yeah yeah after four not games the, not the, the season, week one but yeah after after four weeks people you know really were like oh we do need to defend Josh this way so defenses started doing that a little bit so we had to do a little bit of the dink, the dink and dunk but anyway Brandon to go back to your point about the three high defense or, or cover three two high safeties whatever they were running. Um, I think that the Bills' run game has come a long way since last year, which, for whatever reason, because the offensive line is virtually the same, it's the same two backs, but I, I think that it's taken a step forward. And, you know, maybe, I don't know, it even looked okay against Pittsburgh, who does have a pretty good run front. So that that's the only thing that I can say makes me think that it's not just bad fronts that they've been facing so far this year. So I, hopefully that'll make a difference. Hopefully. You, but. you called it a litmus test and I don't, you know, I kind of see it as that, but the league, they're all perfect. They're all getting paid a lot of money. They're all kind of professionals here and we're just the better professionals. So besides that, that's not the point here for me, this whole story of Buffalo, the drafting, the developing, this is a much more of a coming of age story for me. Like the Josh was not this version of himself. Devin Singletary is a totally different version of himself. Zach Moss is healthy, different version of himself, making these linebackers make quote unquote business decisions against him. And this, they had to go through what they had to go through to get here. So Josh needed to feel those losses and Devin needed to get caught on some runs and Moss needed to get hit in the weight room. And we are at the point where this team has been coached up, like McDermott says, to be the best versions of themselves. And I think they've progressed enough individually and and that will collectively build as a team that this could be, you know, even if it's the same players, we might see something different. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's take a break from the, uh, the chiefs talk really quick and, uh, fit in a Sabres update here. I'll see if I can roll this. It's time for the weekly Sabres update. All right, so tonight the Sabres are back in action against the uh, Columbus Blue. Yeah, never mind. I don't want to do this. This has been your weekly Sabres update. Who cares? We got the Bills. <laughs> it's so funny because they were playing the Blue Jackets last week too, and we don't I know. care. We oh, don't it's care. It's terrible. <laughs> it's, that's like Bills versus Browns 6-3 game with Derek Anderson. Oh, if anybody wants to know, they're losing 2-1. to one. Yeah, Wait, this, is this regular season hockey right now? No. Or because I know last week it was preseason. It's still oh. preseason. It's still preseason. Like and also, games. this game will be over by the time this episode is out. So yeah, and there's probably a collective twelve, like maybe twelve people and like ten family members of players. Dude, somebody, um, I think Paul <laughs> Hamilton just tweeted a picture of it, and he said a lot of empty room at the stadium tonight, and there's like 
one person. Yeah, no, that's how it looked. That's how it looked for for the last game too. And seats were still you, like they were selling seats for eighty bucks. Can dude, you believe it's stupid. That? It's stupid. Then you look at Tampa Bay. They just won the cup and they have a preseason game and it's like sold out. It's yeah. crazy. All right, so getting back into the Kansas City talk here, I know we already touched on this a little bit, but what do you guys expect this game to look like? Because I think that we had. Gosh, we we definitely had these shootout expectations going into the game last year, right? We thought that, you know, the defense is going to do what they can, but it's really going to be up to Josh Allen and his weapons to counter, you know, get into a shootout with Kansas City because you're again, you're not going to hold them to less than 30, which they ended up doing, but it was really in both matchups, it was the offense that disappointed. So, what does that how do you guys feel? Are you guys still optimistic about it, like we were last year? How do you do? You think that the offense is going to do better against a Kansas City defense that looks weaker, or or what do you think? Well, I mean, I think I, I'm interested to see. You know, like Brandon said about our offensive line, there's been a lot of development with the receivers too, in terms of you know, Emmanuel Sanders really has impressed me a lot, and like Dawson Knox's transformation. So I wonder if you know them putting work into themselves will make a difference and then also i mean tyron matthew and d ford they're another year older so i mean that's gonna help us a little bit ladies and gentlemen i'm gonna be honest with you i don't know but here's what i do know this team has been through it all was that your inhaler it was my (laughs) inhaler because i need my lungs to be ready for this this team homegrown drafted from Fireball, California, Fireball, Wyoming, wherever the hell he's from, out in the middle of California. California. Fireball, yeah. California. Josh Allen, small town man. Fireball, Fireball. We got Josh Allen from Fireball. No, California. no, it's actually pronounced Fireball. It like ends in A U G H. I wasn't okay. doing an accent. Like, like the coaching brothers. Either way, <laughs> point. <laughs> Josh Allen from small town California. All of these players coming together to be the best version of themselves. That's Sean McDermott's quote of the year. And they have felt the pain of loss. They have felt the pain of incompetency. They have disappointed. They have let us down. These offensive duds that they put up against, nobody else matters except this team. You do not win a Super Bowl without getting through Patrick Mahomes. We need to show that we can beat them. And this is the time that we're going to do it. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm going to go out on a limb because people don't listen for I don't know. They don't want that. They want to know that Josh Allen's going to go into Arrowhead and shut those fans up. He is going to go out there and sling the rock. This team is built different. We are built different this year, even if it's the same version of last year. Devin Singletary is going to come up there. He's going to pass block if he has to, or he's going to run his little 4-4 that he he is now, that he's fast. So... Whatever it takes, this team is going to be able to do it, and they're going to surprise some people in Arrowhead, and uh, it's going to be a coming-of-age story like I've touched on a bunch of times tonight. Do you think that this is kind of an abstract question? Do you think it would be better or worse to have a win or a loss? if you're So assuming they get the number one seed, you know, without this game withstanding, you're going up against, theoretically, you go up against, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship in Buffalo. Do you think that this game will matter at all? The outcome of this game will matter at that point. Do you think it's more of a competitive advantage to have won this game or to have lost it? Well, and I think it's be, a psyche thing too, man. Because exactly. Like, so I think, <laughs> but there's two sides of that, right? Because you can say that you have, you know, you have the confidence like, hey, we can beat them going into it or versus the team that's like, we lost to them you know, we're really, really focused on, on revenge. And, you know, there's a million different ways you can take it, but I always liken it back to, do you remember the first Super Bowl that the Patriots lost to the giants? Those teams played week 17, I believe. I remember watching that game. It was a great game. game, but the giants lost that game. And I think that they learned a lot about the Patriots losing that game, you know, and, you know, schemes come into it as well because you're thinking, I wonder what goes through Brian Dable's mind this week. Does he think, I'm going to give it everything I have, we're going to empty the playbook? Or does he say, you know, we've got these couple plays that, you know, if I show him everything, I'm not going to be able to surprise him with this when we play him in the playoffs. Does he hold anything back? Or, you know, if you're the offensive coordinator, what kind of decision do you make there? I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well, to quote Rage Against the Machine, 
<laughs> what what better place than here? And um, you know, what what better time than now? But um, <laughs> you know, I I don't know. I I have a lot of confidence in Brian Dable, and I mean, that's like if because I mean, say I as someone that like my dad is like you know he trains horses he's like competitive to a fault where it's you know he he'd be competitive about playing checkers dude literally and um how he's can just you the not type of, be competitive about playing checkers first of all all right carry on carry on <laughs> but um no he's always the type of person where he's like i'm gonna to win something or to perform well, i'm gonna put everything i have into it and if it means i have to put more than what i put into it initially to plan for something in the future i'll do that so I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like taking for granted, like, why wouldn't you throw the whole playbook at him right now? Because you don't even know, you know, say you don't throw everything at them. And then I don't know, Josh goes down, you lose seven games in a row or something. It's like, well, don't you wish you would have just, you know, put it out there. Yeah. Cause I, I totally agree. If they win this game, it'll look like they have the one seed locked up, even though that might not be logistically the reality. It'll feel like it because they'll have a two and a half game lead, essentially two games and a tiebreaker. I, I don't know. I think that I, I agree completely with what you said. They can empty the playbook and still have enough left over or game plan something else. I don't think that Brian Dable is limited to the plays that he already has. But no, Pat, I, I think that was a really good point. We'll see, man. I mean, I think if anything, because I think about the Patriots game, if we beat this, if we beat this Chiefs squad, like squeak one out, then we'll beat the shit out of them. But if we beat the shit out of them this upcoming week, I, I don't think it's good for us. So. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. That's why they play. That's why they play the games, and we talk, right? You know. Yeah. Um, but again, <laughs> so I, look at the reverse side of that too. Like what they did last year. Like they kind of kicked our butts in the regular season, and then did it again in the championship. True. So True. I, I don't know if we're just talking out of our butts for this, and it doesn't really matter when it comes to professional teams, and we're just trying to find narratives where there are none. But so there's a lot to what you said, right? Because beating a team in the NFL twice in one year is difficult, right? That everybody says it. All the coaching staffs always say that. that. Yeah, that that's the narrative. That's kind of become the colloquialism. If I can, if I can get that word out. If you, if you are this team and you've lost 3 times already, besides the psyche of thinking I can never beat this guy. These are not this is not Tom Brady and the Patriots coming into Ralph Wilson Stadium and winning 20 times in a row. This is this is not that we need to not let that happen because you Peyton Manning beat Tom, right? Peyton beat Brady a couple times to get to Super Bowls and we are going to have to do that. It might not be like we might not be the Patriots where we go into nine straight AFC Championship games, but Joe Flacco beat Tom Brady. Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl during his tenure. Peyton Manning got two. So these great players, not named Michael Jordan, have times where they lose. And that's okay because that's what sports are. Tom Brady's the luckiest dude ever. Like they were talking about it on here. You have to be good to be lucky and you have to be lucky to be good. And Tom Brady embodies both of those from the calls to the kicks to the tuck rule to the knee, knee injury, all this stuff. But this team needs to know that they can do it. And if they go out and they perform really well and Josh throws 342 TDs, three TDs, two rushing TDs, and we lose 36 to 42, I'm all right with that because I feel like at least we can play with them. They know in their brain it could come down to one possession and they could they can scheme up a way on defense to get a ball back or, you know, the bounces go another way. But if you lose another game where you kick two field goals, you don't get in the red zone and score touchdowns when you get in the red zone and you don't look good on offense, then I'm worried because they have our number. They could do it to us again in the playoffs like they did before. We need to set the tone. You need to dictate the play here. And I feel like they have let, they have this fear of Kansas City in their brain where they call the game differently and the fact that they took the points they wanted to take points last time and you just need to go play your game right now take what they give you and just be yourself because we have all pros up and down this lineup yeah like you said I'm fine with them losing if they're going to lose as the Bills and and not as a shell of the Bills like they did last year you know but I think a lot of it's like I mean not that the Bills aren't already nervous as a as a kid who just got sent down to the principal's office, AKA Catholic school, Pat Caprio. But anyways, um, I think that for more than anyone, this is pressure for Sean McDermott. You know, it's like psychological challenge. It's just, if, you know, Sean is able to stand up to Andy Reid and, you know, call a better game. So. Yeah. And not, not be too conservative, but all right. You want to, you want to get into a little drought salute? Heard you got a good one today. 
Ladies and gentlemen, I'd, uh, I'd like to take a little bit of time to recognize greatness. I'm talking greatness. Um, over 15 years, you know, this guy, he really did. He's in the 1,000 plus yard, or I'm sorry, 1,000 tackles club, 29 career sacks, you know, 15 years in the league. Some people, they refer to him as the unluckiest player of all time. This man went to Auburn University and somehow, after playing 15 years in the league, never played in a postseason game. However, his four years for the Buffalo Bills were legendary. I mean, especially 2004 season. I mean, this man was a first team all pro, five picks, two pick sixes. And, you know, I thought you guys might want a, a chuckle, a little bit of a chuckle from that season. So I looked it up. He had a pick six on Mr. John Kitna, current high school math teacher. He, uh, oh, sorry, what are you gonna say? Former lion, right? Um, <laughs> But um, Mr. Jay Fielder has as many, or I'm sorry, has as many AFC East championships as Joshua P. Allen. Also, a 2002 inductee into the National Jewish Hall of Fame. I swear to God, that's what it said in his bio. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he actually picked him off twice. Um, he had one off Mark Bulger, and um, in the last game of the year, that ever so fateful 2004 come down where Brando and his dad were at Splash Lagoon and they had their Drew Bledsoe jerseys on. He did pick off the ghost of XFL 2002 Comeback Player of the Year legend, Tommy Maddox. And you know who, he, he sacked a couple of legends. One playing legend, one coaching legend this season. He had three sacks. One of them he had on Mr. Matthew Hasselbeck, the second on Ravens bust, Kyle Bowler, and the third, the third and final sack for Mr. Takeo Spikes in that All-Pro 2004 9-7 Buffalo Bills season. Ken Dorsey, current Buffalo Bills quarterback coach. Second to last game in San Francisco. Takeo Spikes, that's legendary. Dude, you're killing it, man. That's such a good stat. What a good stat. I thought that was crazy, dude. Like, you just look up some of the guys, you're like... Actually, and I'm wrong too. Jay Fielder has two AFC East. He's got he's got more AFC East titles than Joshua Allen. Strange. Not for long. Not for long. Not for long. <laughs> T minus two months. True. True. I still kind of remember, and, and maybe this is just from hearing stories about it. But, um, gosh, what 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 was the year before Takeo Spikes came to the Bills? What year would that uh, have been? Oh two. Oh three. Oh two. Yeah. Yeah. Because the Bills played the Bengals the very last game of the year and, and all the fans were holding up signs that said Takeo come to Buffalo oh. which was really cool because he ended up he, he did it yeah. you know he was he was a free agent that a, a team like the Bills wasn't expected to land so he was he was he's one of the better free agent signings of the 2000s by far the Bills were they were not that far removed from their you know, yeah, 90s years. time at that time. Yeah. And then they had just made the move for Drew Bledsoe. Did they get Drew Bledsoe and Takito in the same I think they got season? him in... Uh, I think it's 3 Is it I thought, 2 I thought Bledsoe was 0-2. I think Bledsoe's 0-2, right? Yeah, so then Bledsoe... So they got them both in the same offseason. There was Rob Johnson in there for a year or two, right? With Takito? Uh, it looks like Takito came in 0-3. I'm talking between the 99 playoff games... Yeah. Or game, game. Yeah. It was just a wild card game. Music City Flutie, Miracle. Johnson, little Alex Van Pelt, little Todd Collins sprinkled in there. Uh, but that was an exciting time. I remember coming home from school, watching on Channel Seven Eyewitness News Sports Reporter with John Murphy. Uh, <laughs> he Drew Butzo got brought in, and he's standing at the podium. And he's like, "I'm here to bring a championship to Buffalo." They have made the moves here. Yeah, no, I vividly remember watching this, and it, I just never realized that they came together. That would think about that now. We, you know, we don't. If that the Bills should have been good, they should, they were good that year, and they oh, they were so fun to watch. I remember eight game win streak. Right, they had a huge win streak that season. Uh, seven yeah. games at the end until they dropped the Steelers game. But yeah, I remember the first game that I can remember actually like in my memory watching the game was when they played the Vikings. I think Peerless Price went off in that game or something like that. I cannot, I can't remember, but they won and it was, you know, they had, they had some really bad years before that. So it was like, that was, that was the first time in my lifetime that I felt like the Bills were actually good, you know, and they were no playoffs, but 
Yeah, it was a long time after that until I felt that feeling again. <laughs> many years, feel, many years. <laughs> so the Bills kind of went weird because they only had Watson for a couple seasons because then they drafted Lossman and he didn't like that. Which, think about it. Do you think that first round pick spent elsewhere? Like, did you need the quarterback there? Did you need to cut Bledsoe? I, I just think know. he was kind of butthurt about it. It's yeah, but why didn't why did you use the pick on Lossman when you got uh, it was that 04 quarterback class and uh, that team was good. They could have built around that current team with they didn't lose molds yet because they replaced him. Maybe they did lose molds that offseason, but they replaced him with Lee Evans in that draft. Because uh, I was looking at they, game logs and Bledsoe actually threw a touchdown to Lee Evans. Um, oh, did he? So then Bledsoe was Lee Evans rookie. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, okay. though, that's just a mix of really good players and guys just being like, yeah, no, these are my guys. I, I can't, you know what I mean? Like maybe a little <laughs> synergy. He might have been coming up that next year, yep, too. Yep. That was Travis Henry. Yep. Or not, yeah. Travis that was post Henry. Travis yeah. Henry. Yeah. I believe okay. so. Yeah. Well, if there's anything that I'm happy about now, it's that we are not mediocre like that. You know, we, like we said, two months AFC's championship banner should be up again. We don't have to worry about being nine and seven with an aging quarterback. We are in the prime spot in the prime of our lives to see a Super Bowl run, and I'm ready for it. So, getting back into our uh, Kansas City talk, just just a little bit to wrap it up here. Um, which player or position group do you think will be the difference if they win? So this is hard. So so not just not just like game in general. This is if they win who do you like what position group do you think will be the difference or player if you want to go that specific so i've said this twice now in the matches that they've played and i've said the linebackers are the most important positions for this game and i'm not going to say it again because i've been disappointed the previous two times and i think they're very important but this is going to come squarely on josh uh he's the driver of the train of our offense and if our train is not going full speed if they're not shoveling the coal in that engine room we're not going anywhere i just i picture in polar express when they're on the ice cubes right or on the ice cubes <laughs> when they're on the frozen water yes. and they're just F- sliding all ice cubes <laughs> yeah we don't want we don't want that we want to be a well-oiled machine and it comes down to josh our defense is gonna have to play well i hope matt milano and jordan poyer are ready to go um we talked about the safety depth earlier in the show and that was awesome to see but if we're looking at one specific group it's going to come down to josh allen if he can put up points with this offense our defense isn't really going to matter as much i mean if we're going to go score for score with them does how important is defense going to be right like we can have the number one unit and mahomes still gets his yards it doesn't matter jordan's going to get 30 lebron's going to get 30 westbrook's going to get his triple double mahomes is going to throw for 300 yards we have to score 35 to win now speaking of lebron did you see him uh giving josh some uh twitter kudos this past week yeah real (laughs) recognizing real (laughs) i was gonna say that bro Yeah, Brandon, I'm with you, but I, I'm I'm in this mindset where I'm almost assuming that Josh needs to have a good game to to win. I think that you know he can still have a good game and they could lose. I feel like, um, but yeah, just to just to add some color to the conversation, I I think that the D line could be the difference maker if they do win. If they really do get after Patrick Mahomes like Tampa Bay did in the Super Bowl, I think that that'll be the difference in the game because not only do you have to score, but you have to at least make Patrick Mahomes feel uncomfortable. So, and that being the last time that we've ever seen Patrick Mahomes look uncomfortable. So I, I think that's the, he that's, was hurt too. Did you, yeah. did you hear him say he, when he had to run, he was curling his foot every time he had to run, yeah. which is insane. I don't know if you ever tried to run, but like I think that. it's going to be a different situation too, because there's five different linemen than the linemen who played in that Super Bowl. So everyone has been replaced, which is, I mean, you don't very much see a team that just lost in the Super Bowl. Like, let's gut the offensive line. Like, so I think that'll be interesting too to see how Orlando Brown and um, oh geez, what's that guy's name from the Patriots? Oh, it's Joe Tooney is his name. Damn it. Okay. Joe Tooney. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> but our D line is different also than the one that played them. Boogie Basham came out and got his first sack on Sunday, and we didn't have a Rousseau last year. The, those long arms can make a difference. The interior, we didn't have Star last year. You all know how I feel about him, but him and Eddie 
combined for what, like ten tackles on Sunday. Uh, yeah, he started a big sack too, man. I mean, yeah. Oh, he did have a big sack. He did. Um, and the way that Mahomes gets rid of the ball and can run, we have a defense that's built for playing the chiefs and i just i want to see it work but i just i don't think it's gonna that's why i say it's josh because unless unless i'm wrong about our defense i just mahomes is gonna score he has his entire career 307 yards per game on average fastest player to beat 15,000 yards fastest player there are 100 touchdowns fastest player to do everything i literally just did the math he's got 15,100 yards and 50 starts which is 307 yards per start so yeah He's going to get them. We have to get it back. So Yeah. No, I, I think that it's it's they're going to get yards, that's for sure. It's really about, I think it's going to be the red zone defense that's the, the crux, too. And if they can get a couple turnovers, they're going to be in a much better position to win this game, you know, with Josh having a day at the same time. So it's... Chiefs get big plays, though. So, you know, they could drive down. What do you, what would you rather have them the do? Bills, I would the rather Bills have don't give up big plays. plays. The Bills only give That's up true. big plays underneath if somebody gets loose. They usually don't let anybody go over the top. So if Tyreek Hill is going to get loose, it's going to be on a short pass where somebody misses a tackle. Again, I, I think that they, they've just got to play that bend out break defense and get a couple picks or fumbles or something, you know, and, and at least give Josh a couple short fields to work with. So not that he's going to need that, but it's it's going to be a bigger ask asking the Bills to drive 80 yards every single time, which they've shown they can do, but not against the Chiefs. They led the league in 80-yard drives last That's year. That's true, but they, they, for whatever reason, they, they were a shell of themselves against the Chiefs. So maybe third time's a charm, they, they, they finally uh, shake the demons. It's just so fascinating because we know what we want to have, and we know that the floor of our team is not that high, right? Our floor and the Kansas City Chiefs floor are different. So we need to play a better game when they need to play below their best. But I want to make sure, I want to see them, I want to see them at their best. I want to see how we play against them. We need to to be real with ourselves and what we can accomplish. And and that's, I, I just open it up, let it all happen. Yeah. So on the, on the flip side of that coin, what position group and or player do you think will be the difference if they lose if so, they lose if they lose who do if you think if we lose or they lose like the if Chiefs we lose. lose no if the bills lose who do you like who who are you putting the the presumptive blame on same two i put it on well same one i, I don't want to uh, the other guys like one of my favorite players but i'll I, I basically i felt like in the afc championship game milano and Edmonds got shredded by Travis Kelsey, and I think that you know they did. They're the they're the two in my mind, the linebackers that you know really need to play well. So we talked about the linebackers a little bit. I the first two times that we've played the Chiefs, I said the linebackers are the most important players, and they disappointed me both times, which is like what you said too. They were two of my favorite players. But if anybody who knows me, I'm ride or die with Josh Allen. He did not play his best at either of those games. And he needs to be able to look at himself in the mirror and say, I played my best game and I, I still lost. Not that, oh, I didn't really play my best. I'm going to let these sports guys talk about what happens if I could play my best. Like, I want to see him own it and step up to the moment. But I think it'll be better because they're not going to have to, like, peel him off the ceiling in Buffalo. You know, Arrowhead's kind of crazy, but maybe he'll be a little bit more composed and, and come out here experiencing the, the playoff loss before. Same thing with Diggs. Uh, but if, if we lose it's going to be because somebody didn't play up to their abilities. And if that's Josh again, I, yeah. I feel like if, if they lose this Sunday and I'm not trying to put this out there into the universe, cause I think that they'll win. But if they lose, I think the first conversation that we start having is the O line, because I feel like if Josh has a bad game, it's going to be because he feels uncomfortable in yeah. the pocket and, and doesn't feel supported. Nine times. Or, or the running game doesn't get going, which you can also start pointing towards the offensive line as well. So I think that they might be the scapegoat, right or not. I think that's who we'll be talking about if they do lose. But again, could flip side of that could be the difference. If they have a great day against uh, the Chiefs front and they and they win in the trenches, I think that it'll be a lot easier for Josh to have time to light him up and go a little bit farther than just the Dinkin and Duncan. And also maybe have a short to intermediate intermediate passing game with the running backs and, and get some of those guys in space. Matt Matt Breida question mark? No. Matt Breida question mark. 
We'd have to dig him up from... It's, uh, it's not that Matt Breida's bad. It's just that Moss, Moss and Singletary are, are, are playing so well and, and seem to complement each other, even though neither of them is, is a home run hitter. But Which is funny because they both got 14 carries on Sunday. So yeah. I think 28 times carrying the ball is... If we can hit it, if we could do 25, between 20 and 25, I think, if we can average five yards a carry, that's good. Right? We had a 190, we had 200 yards rushing and Trubisky took a knee, so we got 199 yards rushing. But that game script, if, if Allen could throw up through 275 and we can get 150 rushing on 20 attempts, I think that's a game script to win. For sure. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. I'll be talking with you guys again on Thursday. We'll be doing some Brando's bets. Um, spoiler alert, Brandon landed his guaranteed parlay. I- I'm glad we didn't screw that up on the first one. <laughs> so I literally went to the casino. You can leave this one in, John. <laughs> I literally went to the casino to get my winnings, got a cashier's check because I don't have a checkbook, and drove the money to my landlord to pay my rent. And I still had leftover winnings, so that's going to my <laughs> rent for next month, and then we'll talk about the laptop. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Brando's on that MacBook grind now, dude. He's a f- f- HP. Forget about a <laughs> Dell. Forget about a... Um, I, I don't even know what the other ones are. Really. Acer. I have Acer. Acer right yeah, forget about the yeah. Acers, dude. He's going to be team MacBook Pro, or he might even just have like the iMac box like Johnny has. Something. Yeah. Coming soon, Brando's gambling addiction hotline. <laughs> or coming soon, if you, Brandon. If you or a friend needs help. <laughs> but you know what they say, man? Or you could say established career football analyst who makes a living on it because I just paid my rent with winnings from picking the, football the, games. That, that title's too long, even as an acronym. <laughs> it wouldn't fit on a I, business I think card. you could keep doing it, but I think if you just win enough, they'll probably fire you from working at the Bills just because they'll be like, what the f*** does this guy know? They'll be like, yo, this guy pushes wheelchairs. What kind of insider information does probably he have? Did. They're probably like, oh, he's pushing, <laughs> pushing Sean McDermott's grandma into the locker room and then he overheard X, Y, and Z. Little do they know I just have no life and <laughs> research a lot of football crap. Uh, well, you're kicking our butts in the, uh, Dude, in the standings are, as well. I don't know if you guys checked today. We'll, we'll get to this on Thursday, but I've, yeah, you're up, you're up even more games. So nice. Seem good. But anyway, if you guys are listening and you like the podcast, follow us on Twitter at not bills podcast. Um, I promise the tweets aren't that bad, slowly getting better, but also, um, we have a YouTube channel that you can subscribe to, post all the episodes on there and highlights and stuff like that. And so make sure you subscribe. And as always, if you like our show, go ahead and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify. It helps a lot. And, you know, we all need that affirmation. So, all right. Well, I'll see you guys here on Thursday then. All right, gentlemen. All right. All right, please.